0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by a top-notch BJJ clothing brand. I, of course, i am talking about ADK Fightwear. ADK Fightwear brings you high-end grappling gear at an affordable price. Are you sick of paying 50 bucks for a pair of shorts? Check out their Go Green Grappling shorts, which if you use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, if you use that promo code right now, You'll get their high quality shorts for just 20 bucks. Twenty bucks for shorts. It's insane. Go to adkfightwear.com right now to see that and all their deals. You won't regret it. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on Flowcombat.com and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Breeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to Brian Bam Bam Barbarena, fresh off of his victory over Jake Allenberger at UFC Lincoln. So Brian, it came out uh, right around fight time, or at least it, it came out to a lot of people right around fight time, that you just moved to Tennessee uh, between your last fight and now. What was part of the choice in moving there, obviously, which is is kind of far away from your training camp?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it's something I've been talking, me and my wife have been talking about a lot with, the, uh, you know, kind of buying some property and, and kind of living, not off grid, but somewhere in that side, just, uh, living off the land and raising our own animals and having a garden and having property and stuff like that. And, uh, we have to land on Tennessee and something we wanted for our, our family and for our kids to raise them up in a, uh, kind of a different, different atmosphere and, uh, different bring bringing them up differently and uh, so we decided to finally make the move and uh it's been awesome it's been great we love it out here and uh we're slowly building our ranch up and things are coming together and it's been exciting
0: that's that's really awesome and, and what are we looking at for a ranch here now are we talking like horses what, what's brian barbarana taking care of in his uh off time
1: uh yeah we got uh we got a bunch of chickens we got cows uh some steers we got goats now uh, turkeys. So we got, we got a little bit of everything. We got <laughs> quite a few dogs and, you know, cats too. So, I mean, just amazing everything I and mean, plan to expand a lot more.
0: Awesome. That's really, really cool. Now, obviously, you're, you're still working with the MMA lab. Gave a shout out to John Crouch after the fight. Um, uh, but you can't really be training there full time with your, your life being in Tennessee. Is, is there a place that you work out in Tennessee where you're training MMA? Uh, how, how does this whole system sort of work for you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a lot different since, uh, you know, I'm not used to traveling for my, my camps or my training at all. But, uh, I trained at a gym here in, in, in um, called Shields, Shield Systems Academy. And, uh, I actually trained there with Scott Holzman while, when he's in town. And so we train there together. And then also I make, uh, make the trip out to, uh, North Carolina and train at Jimmo's with Jeff Jimmo and, uh, all his, all his team there. Uh, they're a bunch of good guys, and he's an amazing coach. And he was actually in my corner for this last fight and uh made some great improvements with him and then just finished up my camp at the lab. So it's uh, a little bit different now. Traveling, it's definitely hard on me and hard on my family to, uh, to make the travel all the way out to the lab. It's, it's tough, but, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're getting through it as a family together and trying to figure out the best method for uh, us all to be together at the same time.
0: Yeah, and and you sort of could hear that too in your your post fight uh in your voice in the post fight interview uh lots of emotions being away from your kids for so long is there sort of any consideration on that in your future camps like are, are you still planning on flying out to Arizona all the time do you plan on maybe bringing them with you sometimes what what's uh what's sort of the future plan
1: yeah you know after the fight I, I was really emotional um you know being away from my kids for a month and uh You know, I was emotional through camp just talking to them and and stuff. It was just really hard on me, really hard on them. And then, uh, you know, after the fire, I kind of, you know, I don't think the camera saw it or anything, but I actually broke broke down with my coaches in in the cage or whatever and had a a, a real emotional moment, just, you know, excited because I knew this moment was, you know, going to happen and and I'd be able to go home and, and celebrate with my kids. So, yeah, you could hear it in my post-life speech, you know, I was a little, emotional and, and um, but yeah, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, the plan is to go back to the lab and, and be with there and get good training with those guys to finish off my camps. Um, as of right now, you know, the plan is to try to, to try to bring my kids and have them be there and, uh, be a part of the whole process. It's definitely going to be tough as far as school for them and everything, but, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes moving forward.
0: Well, and we certainly wish you the best of luck in that. Now, I, I want to go back to that post-fight interview with Paul Felder, too. Uh, you know, another thing you said in that interview was you, you're sort of not looking for numbers by your name anymore. Uh, is this sort of like a change of outlook in your career? And, and maybe can you elaborate on that statement just a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, there was a, there was a time where, you know, I just uh, I kind of got caught up. Caught up in, you know, worrying about getting a number by my name and, fighting only ranked guys and stuff and kind of got away from just the love of of fighting and you know and everything just trying to be more you know getting numbers by my name and crap like that well that that stuff doesn't matter anymore that stuff you know it's been proven in the sport already that it doesn't matter because people who aren't ranked get ranked and people you know who are ranked get moved around and just stuff happens and you know, not number one or number two gets a title shot. Other people do. So, that, I mean, the numbers don't really matter in a no sense as long as you're winning fights and putting on a good shows. So, you know, you're going to get to that title shot. And, uh, for me, it's just, you know, I'm looking at looking at it a lot differently, not so much as like not caring as, you know, making it to the, to the belt because I will make it there. And, you know, that's all the ultimate goal. But, um, I just want to put on good fights for the fans. I want to uh, have fun always and enjoy my time in there. And uh, I'm back to that. I'm back to loving, you know, loving being in there, having fun. I don't give a crap about if I'm fighting for a ranked guy, if I'm going to be ranked next or, or not. Like, I just want to fight and put on a good show.
0: I like that a lot. And I, I think I, at first I, I probably took that as saying that, you know, you you sort of didn't have an, a goal for where your career was going. But that makes a lot more sense there too, just knowing that it's sort of out of your hands and if, as long as you keep being entertaining, uh, it's going to happen for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, the ultimate goal is to make it to the belt, and I will get there. But, you know, it's kind of, exactly, it's out of my hands. And, uh you know, I just say yes to the people they offer me. That's how it's always been. And uh, if I'm healthy and good to fight, you know, I say yes to the people who, who want to fight me, and that, that contract comes across my, my table. So um I just want to put on good fights and fight whoever. As long as I keep winning, I'll get to that belt.
0: Yeah, and you, you said, too, in there a couple of times that you're, you're looking for people who, who are ready to entertain fans with you because, you know, that is does seem to be the way that's quickest to the belt is to get lots of fans and to be really entertaining. Uh, are there some people in your division that you find entertaining to watch uh, that, you know, maybe not necessarily calling them out, but but saying, like, that's an exciting person, that person would be fun to fight?
1: Yeah, you know, there's, there's two names, or you know, a few names that I, I really like to watch. Uh, I really like their style, you know. They like to stand up and when they say they want to stand up and throw hands, they, they mean it. And, you know, uh, both guys are booked right now, Cowboy and, uh, Mike Perry. You yeah, know, I respect both those guys. I think they're both really good, um, and exciting fighters and I would love to, to stand across them, either one of them any, at any point. And, uh, also like Robbie Lawler, legend in the sport, you know, he goes in there and throws down every time. Like, those are the kind of guys I want to fight.
0: And those are, those are certainly some exciting names, and, and we hope that uh, maybe whoever comes out of that Mike Perry fight, Donald Cerrone, is looking at Brian Barberena next. Once again, Brian Barberena fresh, fresh off of his victory over Jake Allenberger at UFC Lincoln. Brian, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it and look forward to be on in the future.
0: And that interview with Brian Bam Bam Barberena was brought to you by a brand-new sponsor of ours, I, of course, am talking about BJJ Tea Club. BJJ Tea Club is a trusted brand in BJJ-themed t-shirts. Here's how it works. Head to bjjtclub.com and sign up to get a new tee each month for as low as $12.50. That's right, just $12.50 for a brand new tee. You can stop at any time. You can send them back if you don't like them for a full refund. It's a great way to replace your aging BJJ wardrobe, and it's a great way to remind you to get your ass back in the gym if you're one of those guys who needs a little extra nudge. And if all that's not a good enough reason to try BJJT Club, they're also charitable for every shirt that you get. BJJT Club sends a shirt to a less fortunate child. So you're not only helping your wardrobe, you're helping others. Still not good enough? Get all of this for five bucks cheaper by using promo code Flow. That's F L O. That's right, five bucks off your first tee. Great shirts. Help others. Get it cheap. Win, win, win. BJJ Tee Club. And we of course are Daniel Gumby, Vreeland, and Shockwave Dave Tremonti with Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Dave, what do you make of Bam Bam's new lifestyle? Color me
2: intrigued. I mean, we all know Brian Barberena, fan of the show. We love having that guy on. And we're fans of his. You know what? I mean, we should be impartial as part of the MMA journalist landscape. But you know what? We're not. We're big Brian Barberena fans. It sounds good for his family. I just, whenever it comes to this, where now he's traveling into the lab, I don't know. I, I guess it, it worries me just a smidgen because he's not going to be around the lab 24-7.
0: Yeah, and it, it seems like he's got some, like, good training partners. Like you said, he's working with uh, Scott Holtz, uh, Holtzman in Tennessee at one of the gyms, uh, and it seems like he's getting high-quality training partners. You're right. It, it always is a question. I mean, the proof was in the pudding in the first fight, though, freaking flatlining Jake Ellenberger the way that he did. Um, so, so maybe there's, there's more of that to come. Maybe we're all wrong on that.
2: Yeah, I mean Brian Barberena. I feel like the past couple of years, since the Sage Northcutt fight, on uh, obviously because that was really what made him somewhat of a household name. Uh, he's really been the everyone's favorite plucky underdog. Uh, you know, we talked about him when we did uh, top five most unathletic uh, bodies or top five most unathletic MMA fighters that got the most out of their out of the, uh, least. Out of the least, right? And, uh, you know, it's interesting to see where he goes. Uh, you know, I think Darren Elkins is someone who recently has kind of gone from, like, plucky underdog to, like, wait a minute. Is this guy a potential title challenger? And I think the next couple of fights will prove if Brian Barberena is just, you know, a-, a fan favorite who we all kind of love and, like, a cult hero. Or is he someone who could one day challenge for the title?
0: And, yeah, and I completely agree. And on top of that, too, you know, the fact that he said he's willing to fight either uh, the winner of Cowboy and, or, or Mike Perry, uh, I think that that is a good tester fight to see that if he is ready for that, that big step up.
2: Absolutely. Well, you want to talk about stepping up. We stepped up in a big way this week with our combat countdown. We threw it out on Twitter. We asked the fans – What did they think were some of the best rivalries in MMA history? And now Shockwave Dave and Gumby are here to break down what we believe are the top five rivalries in MMA uh, history. So Gumby, I will ask you first, are you ready for this week's combat countdown on the top five rivalries?
0: Absolutely.
2: Alright, well we'll kick it off with an oldie but a goodie. This uh, rivalry spanned two organizations and maybe could span a third We're talking about Rampage Jackson versus Vonderlay the Axe Murderer Silva.
0: Yeah, this one had to be on the list just because uh, such bad blood there. We've already gotten three fights. It seems like it fucking might not be over with both of them still signed to Bellator. Um, Violent KO from freaking Vonderlay with the knees knocking Rampage through the ropes. Um, And then Rampage getting his revenge. It's just so fucking good. Yeah, I, uh,
2: you know, I love the, when he beat Rampage, or sorry, when Rampage beat Vonderlay at UFC 92, do you know, uh, what that card was? Do you know what the main event was?
0: I don't, you're fucking far better than this than I am.
2: (laughs) This is such a fun card to go back and watch, so I encourage all, all listeners, go watch UFC 92, uh, which had Quinton Jackson getting his revenge KO on Vanderlei. It started, the first fight on the main card started with Czech Congo TKOing, uh, Mustafa Al Turk. Then you had CB Dalloway TKOing Mike Massenzio. Then in the co-main event, Frank Mir beat up a very sick Antonio Rodriguez Nagara TKO. And oh, then that's, Rashad, Rashad that's Evans. An Rashad Evans TKOing Forrest in round three to win the light heavyweight title and start the Rashad era that lasted about six months, but isn't that an awesome card?
0: Yeah, that's a fucking baller card, and, and that freaking Frank Mir submission of, uh, of Big Nogue is just so good, too.
2: Um, it also goes to show you just what makes this rivalry, I think, so uh, I don't know, epic, I guess is the word, is do you know when their first fight was? Vanderlei and Rampage.
0: Oh, if I had to guess a year? Um, yeah,
2: give me a year, but if you get close, I'll give you credit.
0: Uh, how about 06?
2: Try 2003, my friend. So this oh, is a rivalry yeah. that if uh, Scott Coker were to match them up uh, Friday night on the Paramount Network, it would be 15 years in the making for their fourth wow. fight. So that's that, pretty cool.
0: That's fucking amazing. And, and for that <laughs> reason alone, it deserves to be on the list.
2: So we'll go from uh, history-rich to something more of the modern era, but nonetheless just as epic. These guys only fought twice, and they fought within a uh, six-month time frame, but it's a very worthy admission to the list. It's Conor McGregor versus Nate, I'm not surprised, motherfucker, Diaz.
0: Yeah, and I, I think this one's got to be on there. You get the water bottle toss. You get um, the the big victory from Nate that shocked the world. You get Conor Doing the fucking Rocky montage to come back and beat him. And, and Connor could have just gone back to being the champ at 45 or gone back to challenging for the title at 55. But instead he like needs his 175 or 170 pound rematch. He insists on it being at the big weight so that he can prove that he can beat Nate there. There's just something about how Nate shocked the world and how Connor spent all of that time to prove that it was just a fluke or, or it's not just a fluke, not the only outcome,
2: you know, I think what also makes it not a fluke is that the second fight was so razor close, uh, you know, as far as my money's concerned, it, top three fights that I've seen this decade, you know, obviously Rory and Robbie Lawler's in there, uh, maybe Robbie Lawler and Condit's in there and then Nate versus Connor too, because it really told an epic story. You know, Connor knew not to gas himself out. Uh, he had a big round three, but then Nate came back with a big round four, and then Connor just eked out and did just enough in round five. It's really an epic fight, the second fight. And it proves that the first fight wasn't necessarily a fluke. You know, that fight, I think you also see, uh, I guess traces or shadows or the ghosts of that fight in the Connor versus Eddie Alvarez championship fight, because I think you saw in that, a more composed Connor, someone who wasn't just going to go in for the kill and gas himself out. He learned lessons in the Nate fight. Much like GSP learned lessons when he got knocked out by Matt Serra the first time uh, in Houston. You know, he said that he learned not to, when he gets hit, try to come back with a big shot right away, but rather just try to regain his composure. He learned a big lesson. He came back and beat the brakes off Matt Serra that next year, whereas Connor came back and didn't necessarily beat the brakes off Nate Diaz, he just had a razor-close victory over him. So, definitely proves the first fight, no fluke. Absolutely. Alright, we'll go then to number three. This one, will go back to being history-rich, because it spans the entire length of the UFC as a promotion. It got kicked off at UFC 1. It's Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock.
0: Yeah, it just felt like any rivalry list was not right without having Ken Shamrock fighting Hoist in there. It's happened 3 times and yeah Shamrock hasn't gotten one of them yet. The last one feels kind of wrong as we talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Feels like a fourth one might still be out there. But but it was just the ultimate like catch wrestler with submission skills versus BJJ. This is what MMA was all about back in its, you know, NHB days, no whole Bards days instead of in the uh, the current MMA era. This is a rivalry before there were any other rivalries, so it's, it's got to make a list of the top five of all time.
2: Yeah, I don't think uh, a list could be complete without these two guys. It's like you said, they're such famous names, uh, you know, first ballot Hall of Famers, and they really kind of kicked off what the UFC is today at UFC 1, uh, so only fitting that they would get the uh, nod here at number three. We then will move to number two, and God am I juiced about this one. Uh, Because it's really, I would say, the two best modern era fighters, pound for pound, in my opinion. You know, I know people are going to throw Mighty Mouse out there. But for me, uh, short of popping for steroids and various other drugs, John Jones (laughs) is the modern GOAT. And there was one guy who I think not only brought out the best in him, but if there was no John Jones, we'd be talking about Daniel Cormier as the GOAT. So, number two, they fought two times and they certainly hate each other it's john jones and daniel cormier
0: yeah and this one makes the list for all the reasons you said about their competitiveness right like john jones probably the goat if john jones didn't live daniel cormier is probably the goat right like mm-hmm. they're two of the greatest of all time freaking daniel cormier lost twice to him and is still a multi division champ like that is fucking insane that you this could This is lose only two losses and it's there's only two losses, and he's be- it's not like he just stepped up and beat Stipe and that was it. People fucking forget he beat Roy Nelson and Frank Mir before going down to 205, and Josh he beat Josh Barnett. Barnett back in fucking Strikeforce. So it's not like this guy just, like, appeared on the heavyweight you know, circuit and knocked one guy out like Conor McGregor. This is a guy who, like, ran it down at heavyweight. But the other reason why this is a sick rivalry is you get the, the on stage shoving. They're freaking tweeting each other this week. This week they've been tweeting each other. Like, this rivalry is so far from over, and it's so intense and so good. Jones says he wants to come back and beat Cormier for both of his belts. How fucking awesome would that be to see them go after both of them? I so love it. So I, I think for those reasons, like obviously it's like one of, and we've got it at number two, the greatest rivalries in the history of MMA.
2: So well said. And uh, speaking of something that's far from over, number one, it's Tito versus Chuck.
0: Yeah, it's literally not over. We're about to see Tito versus Chuck run it back again. And for me, the reason Tito versus Chuck has to be number one is because Tito versus Chuck felt like DC versus John Jones before DC versus John Jones, right? Like if if you go back to that era of you know. 2,000 and whenever they were throwing down, right? If you go back to that era, everybody thought those were the two baddest men in the world. You thought they would be heavyweights. You thought they'd be middleweights. You knew they'd beat all the other 205 founders. They talk shit to each other to, to absolutely no stop. Neither of them wanted to fight Randy Couture because they just wanted to fight each other again. Uh, and it seems like they've been chasing each other for years and years and years afterwards. We had the ultimate fighter uh, episode where they never actually wound up getting a fight. So to me, I, I think just like the the shit talk, the championship fights, all that stuff, it's just so good.
2: All right, let's run this back. Uh, I have nothing to add to that because you said it so perfectly. Uh, the top five rivalries of all time, number five, it's Rampage versus Vanderlei. Could be a potential fourth fight, keep your eyes peeled. Number four, it's Connor versus Nate. If you had to go to Vegas, bet the life savings. Those guys are probably going to match up one more time before they both retire for a million-dollar fight. I wouldn't even rule out Nate being a last-minute replacement when Habib has a uh, (laughs) tiramisu-related incident the week of their fight at UFC 230. Number three is Hoist versus Ken Shamrock. If you talk to Ken Shamrock, which we did a few weeks ago, he still wants that fourth fight. Number two is John Jones versus DC. Like you said, I think it would be cool for Jones to come back and challenge DC at heavyweight. Put an exclamation point to the rivalry as they face off for a third time. And number one, it's the uh, rivalry that really made UFC a pay-per-view staple and a pay-per-view player. And it's far from over because they're fighting again this calendar year. It's Tito versus Chuck. Hit us up on on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA if you love or hate this list. We're accepting both love and hate feedback as we currently speak. That's at Top Turtle MMA. We will transition now to our UFC 228 preview, which snuck up on all of us and is here this weekend. Gumby, does any fine company sponsor this preview? Let's hear it.
0: Our UFC 228 preview is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Look, we all have had those bulky mouthguards in our mouth before. Not anymore. Head to SisuGuard.com. Get a mouthguard that you can breathe, talk, and drink all with it still in your mouth. You keep away the germs, you keep your chompers safe, and you feel great doing it. Uh, so our three picks for today on our uh, UFC 228 preview, I'm going with Tyrone Woodley over Darren Till, especially looking at the odds. Woodley only a negative 110 favorite over Darren Till, a plus 100 underdog. I think Darren Till's getting a little bit of the Francis Naganu treatment here. He's a big, powerful Charismatic kind of guy, and I think people are behind his story. Uh, and Woodley to me is just got, uh, quicker striking. He's got the grappling department and clearly the edge there. So I think this is a fairly easy win for him. I'm also taking Algermaine Sterling over Cody Stamen. Aljamain Sterling betting off at a negative 135 favorite to Cody Stamen's, uh, plus 110 underdog. Look, Stamen's got the wrestling. His striking's pretty good. Aljo has just been on a mission since his last loss, and he's really only lost to the top of the top of the division. So I like Aljo here, and finally, I'm going with Tatiana Suarez at a negative 550 favorite over Carla Esparza at plus one, th- uh, 375. Rather, uh, so it, it seems kind of weird that Tatiana Suarez is that high over Carla Esparza, but to me, the wrestling advantage is just there for Suarez, and I think she's going to bring in sort of a new era in women's wrestling in MMA. And that'll do it for our UFC 228 preview brought to you by CCU Mouthguards. Once again, I've got Woodley over Till, Al Jermaine Sterling over Cody Stamen, and Tatiana Suarez over Carla Esparza we were Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com, Daniel Gumby Vreeland and Shockwave Dave Tremonti thank you for tuning in, we'd also like to thank our sponsors, ADK Fightwear BJJT Club and Sisu Mouthguards we'd like to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week, and of course to thank you the fans for tuning in check out our Twitter if you can't get enough of us at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter and you can check out Gumby himself, or me myself, at Gumby Vreeland Uh, until next week We will see you guys later.